If you're in the Sistine Chapel, you can see God hanging brain. I'm Kevin Leeson. He's not a radiator. I'm Dr. Rob Tarswell. According to genetic studies, at some point your ancestors probably crashed in the Andes. I'm Joe Fulgham. What is the function of the pawns? Hint, don't overthink it. I'm Torrin Atkinson, and this is Caustic Soda. It's the Caustic Soda Podcast! Yay! It's time to set the mics up. It's time for Tales of Woe. It's time to take the red pill on the Caustic Soda Show. It's time to do our research, unless your name is Joe. It's time to load the wiki on the Caustic Soda Show. To introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do. So it makes me very hungry to introduce to you, Dr. Rob Tarswell. But now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started? It's time to get things started on the informational, aberrational, strangulational, nauseational, strapped in for the Caustic Soda Show! Welcome, Soda Jerks, to the very first Caustic Anatomy class. Oh, Nice, yeah. We're going to talk about ding dongs. This is well, uh, eventually, probably. We're going to talk about hoo ha's. I forgot is, uh, my pencil. Uh, the hoo ha episode is coming. You're <laughs> oh, the, the hoo ha episode is do- coming. Doctor Rob, you're the instructor. Oh, we're your assistants. I just read stuff. You know things. Uh-huh. Uh, so what we're going to be doing is this is our new series where we're going to be looking at different parts of the body. Uh, we're mostly going to be covering the human versions of these because, you know, that's the more interesting. But if we've got some cool stories about uh, animal parts, then we'll do that as well. All right. We're like gonna, the wings episode? The wings episode. Oh, we're going to yeah. talk about uh, Paul McCartney then. Yep. yep. Someone's knocking at the door. Mm. And all those things that keep the tampons from uh, moving back and forth in your panties. Yeah, the wings. those. Oh, and they fold, ar- fold around show. your mm-hmm. um, that Thomas panties. Hayden, that Thomas Hayden Church vehicle from the early 90s. So in this episode, we're going to start off with the master control unit, the brain. Brain uh, and brain. What is brain? Yes, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about that later on as well. Well, pinky. Pinky, pinky in the brain, 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 brain. The word brain comes from Old English bragen, which is from Proto-Germanic bragnum, which is from the Proto-Indo-European root mreg. And it means braggy. It's like that's the thing. They thought it was where all the bragging, braggadocio came from. It's true. That remains true to this day. Here's some interesting words uh, related to it. An Old English word for head was bragn... I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. So, mm. brain loca, which might be translated as brain locker. Mm, the brain locker. Oh, and interesting. In, in Middle English, brain sick, or in Old English, brainsick, meant mad or addled. So, if you're brain sick, you're crazy. Right brain mind? locker, yeah. worst sequel to Hurt Locker yet, and the only one. Mm-hmm. That was that was the one with nerds playing Minesweeper all yeah, day. That's right? right. Yeah. It says three. Is it the left one or the right one? <laughs> right click. Right click. That's got to be it. Phobias, uh, meningitophobia is the fear of brain disease, mm. and sophophobia is the fear of learning. Oh, okay. Yeah, sophists. They were uh, learned people back in the ancient Greek days. We're going to right off the bat dispel that you, humans only use 10% of the brain thing. There's probably been a lot of dispel articles it how? about it. Uh, how do we dispel it's, that? It's not true. We're not even exactly sure where the source of that myth comes from. Somebody once wrote, humans don't really reach their full potential, and that seems to have warped into you only use 10% of your brain. Oh, how, much, like a, how much percentage of my brain am I using then? About 100. <laughs> what? <laughs> right about 100? Well, how come I don't have telekinetic powers then and can see the future and... Yeah, if Hollywood has taught me anything, <laughs> or uh, do I using a hundred percent capacity of the brain, we can you know shape space and time because you're using one hundred percent of your brain. Oh, oh, it's my brain. No, I need a new brain. What about Doctor Rob? Do, it, all the brain cells that I kill with uh, you know um, al- drugs and alcohol, uh, do does that count against me? Like, am I now you know I've just got like dark zones, but I'm. Do I, we count 100% capacity or are you just like, I'm ticking down like 98, 97, 96, like just counting down? Well, it turns out the brain cells that you kill with alcohol mm-hmm. actually bounce back. They're glial cells. They're not actually neurons. Ah. And if you refrain from alcohol use after a couple of years, those all grow back. 
Oh. All in, right. in, in many cases, in most cases. Consequence-free drinking, people. Woohoo! No, it's consequence-free sobriety. Oh. You actually have to stop at some point. Oh, I see. Boo. In my imagination, aren't brain cells just dying and regrowing like every single day? It's all not, over, it's all not over your the place. Skin. Well, uh, that's what I want to find out. Oh, okay. There are um, stem cells in the brain that are found near the hippocampus. So you can replace hippocampal cells, but uh, as far far as we know, we haven't seen uh, cells that generate new neurons elsewhere in the brain. What is constantly remodeling our synaptic connections? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's our thinky parts. No, it's where you... Thinky uh, parts. It's the part where you come up with the idea to go to sleep. The idea a, to go a, to sleep. Take a synapse? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I enjoy a good snap. Yeah. I like snapping every once in a while. I thought the synapse was when you go to sleep and start playing with yourself while you're asleep. <laughs> yeah. You have a dirty hilarious. dream in your nap. Yeah. I thought it was make you, when you make a hilarious jab at someone, you go, oh, snap. <laughs> nice. Take nice. pathway. Yeah. Got it. The brain is an organ that serves as the center of the nervous system in all vertebrates and most invertebrates. Uh, there's a short list of those that don't actually have brains. It exerts centralized control over the other organs of the body, allowing rapid and coordinated responses to changes in the environment. Wait a sec. I have a nervous system? Oh my yeah. God. I'm so worried about that. <laughs> Kevin's nervous system just kicked in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> These responses are achieved by generating patterns of muscle activity and stimulating hormone secretion. Mm. While other responses are outsourced to the spinal cord or peripheral ganglia, such as reflexes, uh, which are immediate reactions to a stimulus, like shivering or jerking your hand off a hot source. You don't actually think about that. Sophisticated, purposeful control of behavior based on complex sensor input requires the information integrating capabilities of a centralized brain. Uh-huh. That's a bunch of words. It is. Yeah, that's. About I'd like to thank Corey, our researcher. For uh, I'm not kidding. We had just pages of what the brain is, Mountains. and I was like, "Can you summarize this for me?" And this is what I got, which is, trust me, great compared mm. to the mountains. That, that was I had. very elegantly phrased. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what is a peripheral ganglia? Peripheral ganglia <laughs> would be tracts that run beside the spinal column that handle the uh, what we call the autonomic nervous system or the, so the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems mm-hmm. are governed by so are they little like vein, veiny things are they no, what are, ganglia just means clusters of neurons oh okay okay the cool op- in the ganglia <laughs> Yeah. yeah. The operations of individual brain cells are now understood in considerable detail, but the way they cooperate in ensembles of millions has yet to be solved. So I've got a YouTube video here about, uh, this is my next thing is just called Brains Are Soft. Uh, so when you think of a brain, right, you see a, like somebody holding up a, like a brain in a, in a lab to show you. Yeah. Yep. It's generally like dry and kind of hard and it's just you can kind of hold it. Like yep. you know, maybe you think it's kind of soft like a sponge, but the unfixed brain, a brain straight out of a head, which... So uh, where they haven't put like preservatives in it or whatever? Right, where they haven't put it in formaldehyde to stiffen it up to use. You're going like, to see one right it's here. It's like a jello mold. Video. It's like a it's like jello kind of... Out of the jello mold that um you get those brain jello molds she actually described it as uh, if you kind of push your finger into it as being kind of like warm butter oh okay. like it's yeah. it's that soft you can see uh that she's pushing it and it's moving very easily with just a touch of a finger it's uh, not much different than dessert tofu in terms of consistency oh nice <sighs> and just as sweet yeah i was about to say i want to eat it just as much as dessert tofu. and it sits inside of a hard box yeah right uh-huh. Which it gets smacked against if you smack your head. Yeah. So wear your helmet, kids. Does this video creep you guys out a bit? Because like that's a person's brain, recently deceased human being. Mm, no. And they just open up but their I head. Am a, and I'm a brain. monster. Yeah, that's no, true. It, it's it's like it's it's kind of disembodied, right? Like it it's it yeah. doesn't feel like a part of a human because it's so kind because of it alien have looking. Eyes attached to it. Yeah, it, <laughs> that, that's that is I. It would be creepy if it had eyes attached to yeah. it for <laughs> sure. Oh, but it's like it it looks so alien that it's uh. I don't know, it looks like a pile of intestines, actually, yeah. isn't it? Like yeah, the way yeah. it's all wrinkled up. Yeah, Man, I've seen so many of shot. these in my time with the um, fungi from your goth, putting them in jars all oh, the time. Yeah. It's oh, like second nature. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't get freaked out by brains I, I remember those summer college jobs. Now, there seems to be some sort of like film around the outside of it. Is that the only thing that's holding it in place? Is the Nope. Those are the meninges or the, the layers outside of the brain. You've got the, the epidural layer, subdural, and then the subarachnoid. So the tough mother. There's spiders in there? The gentle mother and the spider mother. Yeah, nice. those, that's the name the, of the mater. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. dura mater, uh, pia mater is the soft mother. Right. Yeah. Wow. 
Interesting. The most common method used to divide the brain uh, when talking about its parts is based on the three main regions that develop in the embryonic state. There's the forebrain or prosencephalon, mm-hmm. which uh, has the cerebrum, the thalamus, and the hypothalamus and pineal gland, uh, mm-hmm. among other features. Mm-hmm. The midbrain or mesencephalon, located near the very center of the brain between the interbrain and the hindbrain. Oh, the hindbrain. Is mm-hmm. composed of a portion of the brain stem. Mm-hmm. And then there's the hindbrain or rhombencephalon. Am I saying that right? Yep. All right, cool. Consists of the remaining brainstem uh, as well as our cerebellum and pons. Pons? Never heard that before. What's a pons? The pons sits in front of the brainstem. It has a lot of nuclei in it that control facial musculature and sensation, and mm. it also is a relay station for the cerebellum. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just take, can, take good care of your pons, people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, uh, I'll start down there at the brainstem then. Uh, in the brainstem, all basic life functions originate there, including your heartbeat, blood pressure, and breathing. It consists of the midbrain, the pons, and the medulla, as Dr. Rob said. The pons links to the cerebellum to help with posture and movement. It interprets information that is used in sensory analysis or motor control. The pons also creates the level of consciousness necessary for sleep. Oh, there you go. The medulla uh, maintains vital body functions such as heart rate and breathing. I've got a whole bunch of other lists of what the other stuff does here as well. I can put this up on causticsodapodcast.com because uh, it's kind of just a big laundry list of what the brain What's the most does. caustic part there of the brain? There was a, wait, mm. there was a super friends villain. Oh, yeah? Who had mental controller powers and it was a lady and her name was Medulla. Oh, Medusa. like instead of Medusa. Yeah. Did she, did she have tendrils of brain power come out of her head like snakes? Because uh, that would be no, awesome. No, she should have, though. Yeah. I agree. Was there any physical representation of her powers whatsoever? No Not radiating, that I recall. No radiating uh, there waves There might have been like the Aquaman thing. Yeah. yeah. Or, oh, you're controlling someone's brain visually. Yeah. Yeah. There have to be something like that. Yeah. Or, or the other person's eyes would glaze over or something. It would have to be something. There was something. Yeah, you just don't remember. I'll look into it. Okay. History of the brain. Yeah, in the history. This is a brief history of neuroscience, uh, knowledge about the brain. Okay. Yeah, because we've had brains since history, right? Since long before history. Okay. Going way, yeah. All right. So we've actually, we didn't just get brains. No. We've had them. But it's taken Well, maybe not in the gravity-free era. (laughs) (laughs) Pre-Big Bang? It's taken us a long time to figure out just what the brain does. Mm. Uh, the Edwin Smith papyrus, which was named after the guy who discovered it, not wrote it. Okay. Named Edwin Smith. Uh, it's the oldest known treatise on surgery. It was written about 1650 to 1550 BC. Mm. Oh, wow. It, it describes various head injuries and symptoms and classifies them based on their presentation and tractability. Okay. So right. as far back as then, they were discussing what head wounds did. Yeah. In the 4th century BC, Aristotle considered the brain to be a secondary organ that served mm. as a cooling agent for the heart right. and a place in which the spirit circulated freely. All right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Aristotle, it's not a radiator. You really got that one wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You missed the boat on like that You one, thundered huh? in. Yeah. Seriously. It looks like a bit like a radiator with those folds, though. That's yeah. right. The folds make it so it gives off the heat. By the first century AD, Alexandrian anatomists such as Rufus of Ephesus had provided a general physical description of the brain. Mm, so they've written down, here's mm-hmm. what it looks like. Ephesus, Ephesus, I don't know. In the second century AD, the Roman physician Galen concluded that mental activity occurred in the brain rather than the heart. Oh, Crazy. Wow. Scandalous. His observations of the effects of brain injuries on mental activity formed an important practical basis for his conclusions, but he concluded that the brain was the seat of the animal soul, mm. one of three souls found. Found mm. in the body, each associated oh. with a principal organ. The brain was a cold, moist organ formed of sperm. Interesting. That's oh. because huh. well, he was always so, constantly shooting yeah. sperm into people's ears. <laughs> little, t- yeah. little tidbit on, <laughs> on Galen: he was a he was a physician to centurions and gladiators, so he had lots of clinical material to work with. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah, I see. got it. I'm interested in where the other two animal, the other two souls are in the according to Galen. There's because well, the brain I, is the seat of the animal soul. It's got to be in the heart and the dick. Maybe, yeah. Has to be. Here we go. The rational soul was the brain, the spiritual soul was in the heart, and the appetitive soul was in the liver. In the liver, of course, where all your uh, boozing goes. Soul of your drinky drinky. Yeah, that's right. In 1316, the great anatomist Mondino de Liuzzi wrote that common sense lay in the middle of the brain. Okay. Is that true or not true? (laughs) In some people. Well, in some people. In some people, people, yeah. In some people, it's not. Where does my common sense reside? Uh, if you, you have, you don't have much, brain. in my personal opinion, just doesn't work that way. Yeah. No. 
Renaissance physicians began to dissect the brain with greater frequency at the end of the 15th century, and uh, by the early 16th century, Leonardo da Vinci was drawing and dissecting the brain. He began to examine the relationship between the brain and the olfactory and optical nerves through mm-hmm. experimenting with wax injections that helped oh. him to model the ventricles. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Let's take out, let's take out the brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shove a bunch of wax in there, hot wax, and see where it drips. Yeah, and see what fills up, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, if you take a close look at da Vinci's uh, creation of man, you see uh, God floating in front of these what look like clouds. That's actually, uh, those are actually brain structures. Yeah. Oh, so he made yeah. the clouds in the shapes of brains? Yeah, take a look at that. Yeah, look at the, it's not the clouds, it's his uh, cloak. Ah, right. That cloak yeah. is the shape of a brain that's uh, so, around God there. Yeah. What? It's even got is the it? brainstem coming out the bottom. And so it's, uh, oh, okay. that, that was only for sort of first noticed in the 1950s. And so it's thought to be da Vinci's idea of uh, here's God imparting rationality to man. Or God resides in the brain. Could it just be a uh, coincidence though? Because it's not like brainy <laughs> it, it, brain. It could be, but da Vinci wasn't one to... Oh, everything. He planned out everything? Things, he wasn't one to commit things to canvas lightly. Mm. Uh-huh. It wasn't all slapdash. It's pretty brainy. It's pretty, pretty brainy. obviously brainy. Mm-hmm. Like that's an odd yeah. shape, and he's got the this thing just hanging down here. Just pretty obvious. He's got this. Back the blue here. thing. The blue scarf for our for our listeners. The yeah. thing. <laughs> and then there's the other thing over here. Uh, anyway, back to the history of the brain. Not until the 1660s did the anatomy of the brain change significantly. Within a few oh, years our of each changed? other. Yes, our brains change. Oh, wow. In this case, anatomy, meaning our knowledge of the anatomy. Uh Uh, Within a few years of each other, the English physician Thomas Willis published his Anatomy of the Brain, and the Danish anatomist Nicholas Steno published his lecture on the anatomy of the brain. (laughs) Both launched powerful criticisms of Galen's idea of animal spirits, which Steno wrote were, quote, words without any meaning. Uh yeah, well, yeah. Blooby, blooby, flappy flu. Take, take that, you guy who came 1,400 years before us. <laughs> <laughs> you knew nothing. Your, your words are nonsense. Uh, was it? You got to take pot shots to somebody. And if he's like the prevailing philosophy around what goes on in the brain. It's true. He was. You got to knock. You got to you got to knock somebody off their pedestal, man. Hey, I'm t- talking smack about Jesus all the time. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he only did it during the pre-match interview. And he challenged him to a cage match afterwards. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I found some news here. Uh, this is kind of old enough to be uh, old news, but it's also history because we found out by studying the brain that humans used to be cannibals quite a bit, or probably used oh, okay. to be cannibals quite a bit. So here we go. Uh, well, let's get to it. From approximately 1920 through the 1960s, an epidemic of the prion disease Kuru swept through the foray people. I think it's foray might just be four. There's no accent on the mm-hmm. E. People who live in the mountains of Papua New Guinea, okay. killing upwards of 200 people a year. One symptom of the infection was uncontrollable laughter, which gave the affliction the nickname laughing disease. Uh-huh. The foray had a custom of consuming their dead at mortuary feasts. Whoa, man. Oh. Upon the death of an individual, the maternal kin were responsible for the dismemberment of the corpse. The women would remove the arms and feet, strip the limbs of muscle, remove the brain, and cut open the chest in order to remove the internal organs. Uh Uh-huh. Though the foray would not eat those who had apparently died of disease and so did not so easily catch other diseases via cannibalism, they believed that the prion disease Kuru was a mental affliction caused by a curse rather than Mm. a physical disease. Uh Uh-huh. Victims of Kuru were highly regarded as sources of food because the layers of fat on victims who died quickly resembled pork. Oh, okay. Well, you know. That's interesting. Good, you know, long pig and all and that they were, stuff. They were usually given to the women and children, and the women were also known to feed the morsels, uh, not just to children, but also to the elderly. The, right. So the brain parts, the really succulent bits. Yeah. Women and children were the most vulnerable to the disease because they ate the most contaminated parts of the body, the brains. Scientists report that Kuru has not been found in any foray born after the late 1950s. Right. When they stopped doing this. Yeah. But also, 23 out of the 34 women who participated in the mortuary feasts have shown a genetic resistance to this prion disease. Okay. So what the scientists then did, they, they noticed uh, where it was that this genetic, this mutation that made you resistant to the prion occurred, okay. right? And then they started comparing this place with this culture that had this resistance to people around the world. Yeah. And they found that the resistance that's in here that became more prominent in these people as they got the selection against it when they yeah. started experiencing it actually arose 500,000 years ago cross humanity. Right. 
Like, this is not just the foray people developed this. Humans have the capability to become resistant to this prion disease. And the conclusion from this is that this means that 500,000 or so more years ago, cannibalism we was widely brains. prevalent in yeah, humans sure. and eating brains. Yeah. Because we, it could be that there were other ways to get this prion disease back then. But right, right now, the only way we know is to eat infected brain matter. Right. The forbidden fruit was yeah. brain. Uh, so let me get this straight. Yes. I can eat another human being. Mm-hmm. As long as I don't eat the brain. the brain and what the spinal cord, maybe stay away from nervous tissue generally. Yeah, yeah nervous tissue. There's so, no, there's no nervous tissue in the leg. Not, not a significant amount. I mean, there's so ner- I can there's eat that. I can eat a leg and not get kuru. Correct. All right, it's right. just good to know for oh, future oh, oh, reference. This, this is just for clarity. All right, so but I, I'm well, I'm going to talk about the you know the wider issue here. Uh, Five hundred thousand years ago. People figured out that brains were super yummy. Mm. I need to try brains now. Yeah. Chilled monkey brains. Yeah. Actually, you could probably get Kuru from chilled monkey brains. You can get other prion diseases from other kinds of brains. You can get mad cow cow disease from mad cows. Mm -hmm. Nervous monkeys, mad cows. In fact, I can never donate blood because I consumed British beef in the 1990s. Mm. Lifetime ban. Wow. Mm. Yep. Uh, I don't don't know if I ate British beef in the 90s. Did you get a sticker? Uh, they gave away stickers every time you had British beef. I ate British beef. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. It's a big warning symbol. It started, it's got the, the Mister Yuck on it. Yeah, it, except no, he's got a big belly. Started, well, it's got a mad cow on it. Is what it's got. Uh, yeah, the cow just was like its eyes are crossed and its yeah. tongue is sticking out the corner side of its mouth. Oh, and when you, it's got a little button on it. it goes. <laughs> yes. Instead of mooing. Yeah. That's so, a hell of a sticker. Yeah. Yeah. It's more a button, more more brooch. Prion disease is not the only uh, thing that's happening to our brains here, uh, and you don't have to just eat brains to catch it. You can just go swimming in an unsafe swimming hole. What makes a swimming hole unsafe? This is important information I need to know right now. Well, uh, it, it contains uh, an amoeba called Neglerae fowlerae. Two different 12-year-olds have made the headlines in the past few years after being hospitalized with an extremely rare, horrifying infection, the brain-eating amoeba. Mm. Found mostly in warm freshwater lakes, rivers, and hot springs, Negleria fowleri can travel up a person's nose and into the Mm. brain, where it goes to work destroying brain tissue. Most cases in the U.S., 32 were reported between 2001 and 2010, Uh have occurred in the warm southeast. Okay. That microscopic amoeba, part of the class of a life called protozoans, is a naturally occurring organism that normally feeds on bacteria and tends to live in the sedimentary layer of warm lakes and ponds. Okay. According to the CDC, victims die from the amoeba after about five days. Wow. Since 1962, only three victims have survived, one of them being one of these two recent children. So if I just Uh keep my nose plugged, that's it? Am I immune? I would I would think if you if you wear a nose plug when swimming in warm southeast lakes and uh, rivers and hot. But this springs. is U.S. cases. Are there non-U.S. cases? Uh, not that I know of. No. Hmm. All right. So just All stay right. out of America and you're fine. But make sure you specify amoeba resistant nose plugs. Right. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Of course. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Just uh, fill it full of cock. Not oh oh you got your nose full of cock. That's quite the kink you have, Torin. <laughs> uh, we're learning more and more about Torin. Yeah, but if your steam whistle, if your steam day. whistle goes off in your nose, oh, play with fire, you're gonna get uh, burned. What, 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 your brain. what song do you prefer? If you can toot out the uh, the theme song to Popeye, is that <laughs> is that your <laughs> your preferred mode of? Uh, yes, I will go with that. Yeah, pop nose. No, you've renamed it, but when you do it, it's called cockeye. Right. Mm-hmm. Frankie Masters and his orchestra present Scatterbrain. Thank you. 
the morning and refreshing as the rain. Isn't it a pity that you're such a scatterbrain? When you smile, it's so delightful. When you talk, it's so insane. Still, it's charming chatter, scatterbrain. I know I'll end up apoplectic, but there's nothing I can do. It's just the same as being in a hurricane. And though my life will be too hectic, I'm so much in love with you. Nothing else can matter, you're my darling scatterbrain. Shadow person effect conjured by brain shocks. Shadow person brain shocks. That's right. Okay. This is September 2006, Switzerland, so uh, sort of news. Uh Uh-huh. Schizophrenics sometimes feel the presence of an unknown person behind them who mimics Mm. their movements. Okay. Now scientists have produced the same disturbing effect in a non-schizophrenic person by applying electric stimulation to a specific area of her brain. Dun, dun, dun. So now we can create shadow people. Who is volunteering to have electrical stimulation straight to their brain? Well, it was that, an accident. That mimics schizophrenia. This was an accident. Uh, she has epilepsy, and oh. the doctors were uh, testing her brain as they were trying to figure out if they could perform surgery on her. Uh-huh. She had no history of psychological problems, but she repeatedly perceived a shadow person hovering behind her when doctors electrically stimulated an area of her brain called the left temporoparietal junction. Okay. Hey, uh, Temple Parietal Junction, what's your function? Shadow people, evidently. Shadow people. So, uh, what does a Swiss accent sound like? It's kind of German, right? Uh, Go with Swedish. I'm not going with Swedish. (laughs) Our data most importantly show that paranoia might be related to disturbed processing of one's own body, which in some instances may become misrecognized as the body of somebody else said Olaf Blanc, a neuroscientist at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Lausanne. Or SWIT. So it's it's actually recognizing your own body, but right. then projecting but, it like behind you. not knowing you. it's yours. Yeah, the perception of your right. own body is like separate from you. That's, That's right. Very interesting. The hallucinatory condition was temporary and ended when the stimulations were stopped. Sure. So uh-huh. if they turned on the electricity to that part, there's somebody right behind me. Uh-huh. And if it turned off, oh, I'm fine. During her uh, ordeal, the patient described sensing an unknown person standing just behind her, mimicking her body positions. Okay. He is behind me, almost at my body, but I do not feel it, she told doctors. Mm. When asked to lean forward and grasp her knees, the patient reported that she felt as if the shadow person were embracing her, a sensation mm. she described as disturbing. Not uh-huh. a ple- Shadow people hugs, hugs yeah. not pleasant. Yeah, not I, pleasant. I, not yeah. consenting to this. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear even creepier? When performing assigned activities such as a language testing card game, she said that the shadow tried to interfere. Uh-huh. He wants to take the card, she told doctors. He doesn't want me to read. Hmm. Uh, okay. uh. That's, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden you're, you're attributing, like, you know, thoughts and feelings and yes. traits to the shadow person. Yeah, yeah. Like schizophrenics, the patient did not recognize that she was experiencing an illusion of her own body. Oh, if if you were getting this electrical stimulation and then started having sex, would you feel like you were in a threesome? Oh, maybe. Mm. But it would be a creepy threesome because she's all disturbed and can't see it and it doesn't... Oh, it doesn't want me to touch him there. Oh, that is totally going to become a new sex fo- uh, sex move, the creepy threesome. The creepy threesome? Uh, when you just like... When you, when you kind of realize... Well, somebody's, dressed, really... somebody's dressed in black and hides behind, stands <laughs> right. behind you at all times. Two people have sex and the one person is just behind you yeah. mimicking your position but That's not right. doing anything sexual. It's the creepy threesome. Within <laughs> one month of this being uploaded to iTunes, yeah. Rule 32 will kick in. Rule 34, but let's do it. I, I want to see some soda jerk creepy threesomes. That's no, what I want to uh, see. Well, I don't. Well, uh, you can be the man in black. If let's you want to see the creepy threesome. Let's keep them PG 13, but let's see some creepy threesomes. <laughs> 
The brain's temporal parietal junction has been linked to self-perception and the processes that distinguish oneself from others. The region helps humans understand their spatial environment as well as their body's positions in that environment. Proprioception. Mm-hmm. We talked it. about that on the other senses other episode. Senses yeah. Yeah. Soda. Hyperactivity in the region has been found in schizophrenics who attribute their own actions to other people. Right. So this is very promising. It's from about eight years ago. I haven't found any follow-ups. And uh, a professor of psychiatry at Yale University says, look, this is just one person that this happened to. We're going to have to do some more studies on it. And right. I, I That know. person could actually have superpowers that access the shadow dimension. Yep, it's yes, true. Exactly. It's true. And it yes. turns out that research ethics boards are hesitant to allow you to do studies on research volunteers where you take off parts of their skull and stimulate their brains. Huh. <laughs> I, for one, can't understand their objections. What if you lose a bet? Uh, oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, rock, scissors, paper for who gets the brain operated on. Oh, or like uh, self-surgery. We, we need a doctor who's just willing to do it on himself or herself. Let's all look at Dr. Rob right now. Self-brain surgery? Yeah. (laughs) I do not consent. Name one problem with that plan. What? That's right. No right. problems. I don't even say nothing. I think it's Couldn't because it's find impossible the to he name made, one. He made, this, he made this odd facial expression that <laughs> I I don't know how to interpret, but it must be, I agree with you, Kevin. What's that called? The terror of too many choices? <laughs> like when you get totally frozen because you have way too many options? <laughs> name one thing wrong with it. Uh, where uh, do I uh, fucking start? I don't start? even know where to begin yeah. with how awesome an idea that is. Hey, do you guys want to hear from Carlos Hathi Rodriguez? That's, what does he got to say? Well, he also goes, goes by the name of Sosa, and he lost a large portion of his brain and skull in a crash oh. after flying through his car's windscreen and landing headfirst Ooh. on the road. An automobile oh. accident. So okay. here he is on YouTube. Okay. This All is right. a follow-up to motor vehicle accidents, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. He's smoking a J while telling us not to drive yeah. and do drugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's not driving, so it's okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. He's not Plus, getting I in a car. I feel like if you're missing like most of your head, he then it's the okay un- to have a, have a joint. Well, he's he right. does think he that the word... didn't lose the irony part of his brain. No. He or maybe do- he did lose it. I- <laughs> he does think that drugness is a word. That's right. So uh, He says, I was on drugs, I was driving, and I hit a pole, and I flew out of the front window, and I landed on my head, and he turned side to side. You got to see this video. Shows off his flattened yeah, skull. Definitely go to CausticSodaPodcast.com and check out I don't even know how to describe him uh, a flat top he's got a flat like top haircut he's a half head he's, he's got a, half of a head yes. like so what's the minimum amount of brain I need to have to still well, be me still be still be as functional I think it's 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 not about volume it's about the location it's about where the brain you take out comes from because he's missing well, how much percentage of a brain would you say he's probably missing oh gosh uh, let's close see close to half I mean he might and he's missing some pretty important territory. Like, that's a big chunk of his frontal lobes gone. He's yeah. probably still got his orbitofrontal cortex. Um, he's definitely got at least enough of his uh, motor strip. I to... mean, is this, a, is this a miracle that he survived? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. this, this makes Phineas Gage look like an amateur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phineas Gage is the guy from Ripley's Believe It or Not who got the rail tie the rail set. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you lose a chunk of your brain, do other parts of your brain like take up the slack and like, yeah. okay, now we're doing that job, that other part of the brain that's no longer there? The short answer is it depends. They okay. can, but not necessarily. If, you, if you're going to lose a part of your brain, kids, make sure you do it when you're young. Right. Oh, I see. Because oh. you've got more neuroplasticity. And so even in, say, really young kids with intractable seizures or bad brain tumors, they'll sometimes, say, have to remove half the brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those kids can go on and have completely normal lives. Carlos was wow. 14 when he was driving a car stoned out of his mind and hit a pole and lost half of his brain. 14 years old. Wow. That's probably, that's probably played yep. a big role in, in his recovery. Yeah. yeah. So he says, that's why it was no good. Drinking and driving or drugness and driving. No good, kids. No good. So yep. listen to Haffy. Drugness and driving. It's not good. You know what else was no good, Carlos? You're a plastic surgeon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure he didn't have a really good medical, medical plan. Uh, plan. Uh, so they probably did what they could to keep him alive. And we're like, that's what all would, you can What afford. would you put in there? Just like silicon or something? There's nothing really you could put in there. Uh, no, there is. Oh, a metal plate. No, I have, I have some examples. Uh, let me get to that. Uh, Haffy is not the only man to have survived such a severe oh, head injury. Hold, hold on a second. Here, I got to ask a question. Right. If, if, if this accident happened to any one of us and uh. we were you know, functioning with this kind of you know, skull shape or whatever, mm-hmm. would you wear a hat or would you parade it proudly? Hat. Hat. Just for other people, like it's you know what I do. Conversation starter. That's for sure. You want to meet people. Comb over. 
Oh, really? <laughs> nice. Or wig Spill or Fill that toupee? shit up with hair. A Fill lot that of gel. depression up with yeah. hair. A lot of gel. A lot of gel, a lot of hairspray. Uh, Haffy yeah. is not the only man to survive such a... Well, Kevin, what oh, about you? Oh, beehive hairdo. Oh, there we Bring go. Bring back. Is that what you're doing, Kevin? Beehive hairdo? No, no. I uh, I, I've, I was cottoning to Torrin's idea. So yeah. are you no, I think, no I think I'd, par- I'd parade it. I think I'd... Okay. Uh, I'm I'm a gregarious kind of guy. I like a good conversation starter, and that's that's gonna. Be then a I good put one. a little sign. My eyes are down here. Uh, yeah, on your forehead. Wouldn't that be yeah. more of a conversation that, stopper? I don't think so. I think when you came, if you're walking around and talking to people, people would be curious about oh, it. Oh hi, Kevin. Great to see you. No, it'll be like this. It'll be like what happened every time. Like I get slightly annoyed when people go yo Joe or knowing is half the battle or something like that. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine constantly hearing what the fuck. <laughs> I would get a tattoo of an optical illusion of a forehead. Oh, nice. Word is there you go. Oh, like uh, sidewalk chalk art. Like a uh, hologram. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you mm-hmm. keep your head at just the right angle, and there's yeah. a 3D, oh. 3D head there. No, because mm-hmm. he's, oh, you know what? He's got that kind of that really, like, a prominent. It comes uh, up the back. Comes yeah. up the back. When he like, looks face on, it's not so bad. Yeah, no, but he's got it, and it's kind of like shelf-like in the front, right. like, kind of like a billboard. You can hold stuff there. No, uh, advertising. Because oh. everyone's looking at it. Mm. Right? I mean, you you get some serious sponsorship. Lemonade from lemons. Yeah. Mr. Leeson, that's excellent. Mm-hmm. How else are you going to buy your weed? Need that sponsorship. A British man named Steve Gator lost a large portion of his skull after being attacked walking home from work, okay. leaving him, he says, with a nervous condition and an altered personality. There's him there. Steve Gator sounds like the name of a person that Sylvester Stallone would have played in the 80s. Steve Gator. Yeah. Uh, I think he's uh, he's a representative of the people who thought that Steve was a total conspiracy. Oh, Steve Gator. Yep. Mm-hmm. Steve Gator. Oh, I see. Uh, oh, oh yeah. So there's okay. Steve Gator right there. He's also missing a bunch of the front of his skull. Now, what happened to him again? Uh, he was attacked, physically by attacked. A human? By, by very, very by naughty. By human or by a gator? Very mm. naughty men. Two teenagers, but they, I guess they couldn't get evidence enough to convict. All right. So that's Steve Gator there. Scottish laborer Alan Hind has also just half a head after falling 25 feet from a roof. He's now unable to work. All right. Because so he used to be a head model. Uh-huh. Well, he's got a le- like a left side thing. Everyone else has been, the yeah. two other guys have been in the front half are gone. Yeah, well, it's his right, our, our left. Ah, that's right. So, Joe, you were saying that they do put stuff in there. Yeah, uh, China's well-known half-brain boy, Hu Gozu, was fitted with a titanium mesh skull after half of his head had to be removed because of Rasmussen's encephalitis when he was eight. And oh, okay. Here's a before and after picture of him. Oh, right. wow. Titanium is the answer. So he's got a little titanium mesh uh, skull mm. going on there. And they they pushed it in and then kind of pulled his skin over top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's the way you do it. Yeah. yeah that's the way you would do it. That would be an enormous infection risk, so... You know, the half that would be boy. not something you'd want to undertake lightly, but I can certainly see why you'd want to do it. Yeah, especially when you're eight years old, mm-hmm. you know, you've Absolutely. got uh, yeah. all, if it works, then you got your whole yep. life ahead of you with an actual skull. And mm-hmm. I guess... Uh, it would have to be replaced periodically once his head uh, right. continues and finishes growing. Oh, oh of yeah. course, Un- yeah. Unless well, the mesh was made like a puzzle. To, could it expand? Maybe that's why it's a mesh? If I don't know, probably yeah. not. Who Titanium. Knows? Who knows? Good well, question. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to find Just out. crank the little... Oh, you know, we got to loosen it. You gotta like yeah. let it out as yeah. time goes. So these are all people who were born with brains and then had terrible things happen to them. Right. Here we go. September 2014, China. A woman has reached the age of 24 without anyone realizing she was missing a large part of her brain. What? The case highlights just how adaptable the organ is. Mm-hmm. The discovery was made when the woman was admitted to the Chinese PLA General Hospital uh, in Shandong Province, complaining of dizziness and nausea. Okay. She told doctors she'd had problems walking steadily for most of her life, and her mother reported that she hadn't walked until she was seven, and that her speech only became intelligible at the age of six. Um, okay. Doctors That's did a CAT moment. scan and immediately identified the source of the problem. Her entire cerebellum was missing, and we've got a picture here. Which uh, is the cerebellum again? Oh, it's the part that Sarah likes. It's the little brain. It's at the back of the brain. It's actually got half your neurons in it. So you've got about 85 billion neurons total. About 43 million. 43 billion of them are in your cerebellum. Okay. Mm, Okay. Cerebellum was actually a character on Powerpuff Girls. Sarah Bellum. Ms. Sarah Bellum. And that's an MRI image, not a CT image. So Okay. The cerebellum controls essential body functions such as balance, posture, and coordination. Okay. Hence the not really being able to walk in a straight line for her whole life. Right. Yeah. But amazing that she's walking, period. Right. Wow. The space where it should be was empty of tissue. Instead, it was filled with cerebrospinal fluid, which cushions the brain and provides defense against disease. Oh, okay. 
The woman joins an elite club of just nine people who are known to have lived without their entire cerebellum. Most people with the condition die at a young age, and the problem is only discovered on autopsy. Right. So they just like put some cotton batting in there, and you're good no, to go. No, it's full of cerebral spinal fluid. You don't even need cotton batting. Just roll with it. Yeah, yeah. It's got, the cotton batting is the spinal fluid. That's right. So she went in because of dizziness and nausea and mm-hmm. not really being able to walk in a straight line her whole life. And, and then like, they did a scan, and they went, oh, okay. Um, gravel. Yeah. PRN. <laughs> is that what water on the brain is? What's water on the brain? Is that a real thing? Did I just make that up? Uh, you're thinking of hydrocephalus? Oh, hydrocephalus? That's uh, a situation where you're, you're either producing too much CSF faster than you can drain it. Or cerebral spinal fluid. fluid. That's, that's the fluid that your brain is bathed in. You're constantly uh-huh. secreting it in your brain. It sort of flows around your entire nervous system and then gets back up to the top of your brain where it's reabsorbed. So, for instance, oh, so if it's you, like a little uh, CSF waterfall. It's like a CSF waterfall. All right. But if you have a bleed in your brain, as that blood breaks down, it basically clogs up the drains. And oh. you can end up, you don't stop secreting fluid, but you can't, you can't drain reabsorb it. Off. it. Mm. And so the pressure builds and builds and builds and builds. And that's, you that's like, water on the brain. That's water on the brain. Got it. And then since your skull is too tough to pop, it, where does it go? What, where, where does, it squeezes where does the your bursts brain. happen? Like if, if it doesn't get treated. Out your ears. Yeah, the, the burst, it doesn't really burst. What ends up happening is the cerebrospinal fluid pressure exceeds the pressure of arterial flow into the brain. And so you go to sleep and die. Oh. So, but, but before that happens, you develop lots of symptoms like headache, nausea, okay. vomiting. Yeah, I mean, we all go to sleep and die. And, and, then, a yeah. neuro, and then a neurosurgeon puts a shunt in. Oh. Shunts the fluid out in, into your abdominal cavity usually. Is it made oh, of wood? Okay. The is shunt wood, is not made is of wood. a wooden shunt? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Uh, is cerebrospinal fluid tasty? Oh. I... Kuru. I don't imagine it's Kuru. tasty. Kuru. Don't drink the cerebrospinal fluid. Probably mildly salty. Well, remember we uh, mm. we actually talked about that woman who had cerebrospinal fluid coming out of her nose. She thought she had a particularly oh, bad right. cold. So she just thought it was snot, so I guess yeah. it tastes like snot. I guess so. I guess so. Now we mildly know. Salty. Yep, mildly salty snot. Here's one from England, January 2015. Mm-hmm. Four years ago, doctors saw a British man who had been complaining of headaches after visiting China, South Korea, Japan, and Thailand. Mm. They treated him for tuberculosis, but when he returned, he exhibited a host of more bizarre symptoms. This time in 2013, the man reported weakness in his legs and was also having seizures. After an examination, doctors determined the cause of his pain. Sparganosis, an infection that is rare outside of Asia and is caused by a parasite. In the case of the British patient who was not named, the spirometra tapeworm, which caused the infection, had burrowed into his brain and began feeding on his body. We covered the pork species of tapeworms and how they can actually start laying eggs that end up in your brain. And then yeah. make giant cysts that yeah, and, pepper your brain. And you get yeah. the cysts in there. This is literally the tapeworm itself was in his brain. And uh, eating okay. it, eating yeah. it, eating it, eating it. For four years. For a long time, yeah. Surgeons had to surgically remove the tapeworm from the man's head because there's no known treatment for the condition. Oh, I wish there was a video of that. Yeah. Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) only 300 infections of the spirometra tapeworm were recorded between 1953 and 2013 and little is known about its populations because they live in rural areas of the world Mm -hmm. the adult form of the spirometra tapeworm only appears in the intestines of cats and dogs but when the worm's eggs are released through these animals feces Mm. they can contaminate water and eventually infect humans doctors theorized that the worm entered the british patient when he was swimming in a lake and accidentally drank the water Okay, Ah. so don't let your dogs and cats poop in the lake that people swim in. It's kind of hard to stop. So you need Mm -hmm. nose and mouth plugs. I need need the body, full body condom with the respirator scuba tank. Uh, All right, everyone, Torn needs more cock. (laughs) More cock. That's what he just said. Good night, everyone. Pop culture. So in The Wizard of Oz, Mm. the scarecrow claims he needs a brain. Yeah. But... He's kind of the one who comes up with a lot of the clever plans the whole way through the show. Is oh, you're saying a shitty writing? Wait, sp- no, I no. think that it's supposed to be. Remember, Dorothy, you had the you had the power within oh. you all along. Yes, of course, that's, that's true that's, of all of the. characters. That is the ending of the movie. Yeah. That's what happens at the end of the movie. They go, "You've had it all along." Well, to her, to all but of they them. don't specifically. They give him a fake brain, or they tell him he gets a brain. They give the cowardly lion a fake heart. Right, but the movie shows yeah. all of them had what they were looking for all along. They just had to find it. If I only had insight. <laughs> so the message is quit complaining. Yeah. Um, uh, You're not so dumb. Ask for things you actually don't have. <laughs> uh, that's the message. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, Scarecrow should have been like, uh, you know, asking for a 401k or something. Or some fire retardant spray. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's what he needed. Precisely, yeah. Now, Kevin, you've seen The Man with the Screaming Brain. Is that true? Uh, I haven't just seen it. At one you point lived in time, it. I owned it. Oh, okay. It was one of those like those movie pack things where you had to buy, you wanted one DVD. Right. Mm. But came. there were like two others that you had to take with it to right. get the one that you wanted. Right. Which, wow. What that, was the one that you wanted? I don't remember, but I remember I was like, oh, well, there are all three of them I can get for four ninety nine, so I'll just, I'll do it and I'll, I'll never open the other two. One of them was The Man with the Screen Brain and I made the terrible mistake of watching it one day <laughs> and it was... Maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. Well, did the brain actually scream? It, no, no. Uh, Bruce Campbell. Okay. Who wrote it, directed it. Produced it. Produced it and starred in it. Yeah, had his brain replaced, right? And uh, okay. it, it is a, I, I don't even want to belabor. What did he have it replaced with? The Just plot, somebody else's brain? Somebody else's brain. And he didn't think like a completely different person? Yeah, he was, listen. So you were one of those guys that actually sent in the flyer from Columbia Records oh, to get your free CDs for free 99 CDs. cents, huh? Here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing about this movie. This movie is so patently obvious, was shot in Eastern Europe, and they, they didn't want to have to disguise it that it wasn't Eastern Europe. So they said, oh, we're in Eastern Europe. But there was no reason for Bruce Campbell to be there. They just like obviously wanted to shoot somewhere cheap because they Some probably- Some people live in Eastern Europe. They, yeah, and they shoot cheap, shitty movies there, and this was one of them. And uh, uh, it's it big is, shout out to our Eastern European listeners. It is really <laughs> deplorable this film, and no one should ever watch it. Which is the most bizarre thing is I'm such a big Bruce Campbell fan. He's been so brilliant as a performer in so many movies, and just don't let him near a script or <laughs> a directing chair. All right. There is an unsighted note on Wikipedia that says it was originally supposed to take place in East L.A., but after the fall <laughs> of communism, it was shot in Bulgaria instead in order to save production costs. East yeah, L.A., sure. Eastern Europe. Yeah, yeah, you know, same deal. East, that's all that's important. Bulgaria east is, east. is cheaper than L.A. That I know for sure. Even factoring in the flights. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites, but I think The Jerk really tops it. But I'm a big Steve Martin fan. Uh, has anybody seen The Man with Two Brains? I have not. I saw you it haven't. when it came out, maybe. Yeah, or maybe on TV. It's been a while since I've watched it. It's about neurosurgeon Dr. Michael Huffer, who invents a cranial screw-top brain surgery, which literally means that he just screws off the top of their head. Like, it's ridiculous. They have all the hair on it and everything. It's right. obviously a wig. Sure. Yeah. And then he just does the surgery and screws it back on, and then they're totally fine. Nice. Uh, but it's a Steve Martin wacky farce in it. He what year is this from? 1983, yeah. He hits a woman played by Kathleen Turner uh, with his car, oh, yeah? and she has horrible brain damage, Right. so she needs brain surgery. He happens to be the world's greatest brain surgeon, so he operates on her and falls in love with her because she's gorgeous. Right. They start to have a relationship. He doesn't fall in love with her brain? No, that's They're actually smarts. the thing. Turns out that she's a total asshole. Oh, and yeah? she treats him like dirt, but he loves her because she's hot. And then he uh, in goes to Eastern Europe and meets a brain in a jar. Another Eastern Europe connection. Who is connection. a victim of the elevator killer. Okay. I don't understand. Yeah, it gets really weird. And he finds out that he can communicate telepathically with his brain that he falls in love what? with. Do they explain why he has telepathic powers with brains? Not really, no. Okay. Just so that it can happen. But you uh, love this movie for some reason. Well, it's just bizarre. I'm. It's been a long time since I've watched it, but I remembered really enjoying it. So <laughs> it becomes this love triangle of the woman who wants all his money because he's a super rich brain surgeon, but right. she treats him like dirt, and the brain in a jar. There's a scene with him rowing out in the lake. Right. In a romantic, Very romantic scene yeah. with a brain in the jar on the other side of the rowboat. So he's in love with Kathleen Turner's body. Yes. And he's in love with a brain in a jar. So how mind. do you think this movie ends? So he takes Kathleen Turner's brain out, puts it in the jar, and take the brain in the jar and put it in Ken- Kathleen Turner's much, body. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No to had- uh, doctors or medical students out there in Caustic Land. <laughs> Don't date your patients. Yeah. He had a Don't t-shirt that. that said, neurosurgeons know best. She actually dies, so her, her body becomes available. She suffers, a, she, suffers a brain, <laughs> she suffers a brain death from the elevator killer. Oh, oh lordy. Yeah. It's who's all the, who's the elevator killer? I smell cahoots. Yeah. 
I think Steve, Steve Martin, Martin is the elevator yeah, killer. Precisely. Yeah, that's going to be the reveal in the second one. That was all his uh, thing. Uh, RoboCop 2, a criminal's brain is used in the RoboCop 2 program, hoping the they hope that it can be controlled through its addiction to the drug Nuke. Yeah. Uh, and in the final showdown, RoboCop tears a brain in a jar out and smashes it on the ground. What right, I found most surprising was that an addicted psychopath ended up being a poor subject for a giant killer robot. <laughs> yeah, shocking. <laughs> but uh, they just wanted to control him because of his addiction. They're like, oh, he's addicted See, to nuke, nuke, so, yeah, so. the only way he's going to get it is from us. Well, there is that scene where they, like, they're holding the nuke up and he's like kind of like this rabid dog. He's like, ah! Uh, yeah, uh, like just following the nuke around the room. It's a. Uh, I I know I'm in the minority, but I kind of liked RoboCop too. No, I'm I'm there with you on the kinda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some really good parts of that movie. Yeah, yeah. and then parts that just made you go. Ugh. But I overall enjoyable. I give it a thumbs up. If we're if we're just about like or don't like, I give it a like. Yeah, I'll give it a thumbish. Yeah, yeah thumb thumbish. That's a good one. I think RoboCop 2 from the original series is better than the RoboCop remake that just came out last year. Oh, I'll almost, give that almost, almost everything's better than that. Did you watch it? Yeah, I did. It was not good. No. No, I haven't watched it. Didn't bother. Heard nothing good. It would have been better off doing a shot-by-shot shot remake. Instead, they tried to like be all clever and whatnot. It's like the cr- year of crappy remakes recently. Eh? Uh, like, 21 Jump Recall. No Mars, no deal. Oh, my God. Don't give so me a bad tunnel too. through the earth. Yeah. No Mars, no deal. The total, wow. the Colin Farrell Total Recall remake was awful. There was no Mars? Yeah, yeah. no Mars. Just a tunnel through the earth. Mm-hmm. Get your ass to the tunnel to the earth. More or less. Like, I, That's essentially it. Yeah. yeah. Young Frankenstein is a 1974 American comedy film directed by Mel Brooks and starring Gene Wilder as the title character, uh-huh. a descendant of the infamous Dr. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Roderick claims. Frankenstein. There are a lot of stand-up comedians who, if you hear them in interviews, will claim that this is one of their favorite movies. I believe I that. Brian Pussain is on that list, I'm pretty sure. that I've heard him talk at length about Young Frankenstein, as well as others. I think this might be my favorite Mel Brooks movie. Oh, sure. not History of the World Part Two. No, I I mean, that's really funny, yeah. for sure. But I think as a movie, I think Young Frankenstein is the one that overall works for me the best. Okay. What is the brain part? So uh, it's it's a Frankenstein story. So yeah. he builds a body, and then he sends uh, Igor out to get him a, a brain. Uh, he tells him to steal one labeled uh, Hans Delbruck, Scientist and Saint. And trivia, there actually was a real-life Hans Delbruck. Oh, yeah? He was a 19th-century military historian and professor at the University of Berlin, notable for going beyond technical problems and linking warfare to politics and economics. Whoa. His son, Max Delbruck, was a 20th-century biochemist and Nobel laureate. So they did some research on Let's Find a Great brain to name this right, after right unfortunately he doesn't i think he drops it it's again i haven't watched it in a while and so he grabs a right. another brain named abby something abby normal abby normal oh, and so okay. this uh perfect bodied monster gets an abnormal brain right in it. but it can sing putting on the ritz pretty good mm-hmm. did you say perfect bodied it's supposed to be <laughs> that's, that's what he wanted to do was build like the perfect you know yeah. a giant uh, hulking man with the perfect brain a modern to, prometheus if you will that's, that's a modern true. prometheus mm-hmm. just like that movie just like the book prometheus have you guys got any modern favorite one. brains in jars from anywhere i mean it's a well, pretty good trope <laughs> i mean there's the, the whisperer in darkness from howard phillips lovecraft though tell me about that Oh, well, there's aliens that come down and they experiment on people and they put people's brains into canisters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Where I they can speak one. through little vocoder things yeah. on the on the canisters. speakers. Yeah. So that they can basically uh, create, you know, you can, you can live forever as a brain in a jar. Yeah. Okay. So they have like. But the alien inhabits the body. What's the downside? No, the alien doesn't inhabit the body. What do they, they do with the body? Get rid of it. Throw it away. Discard it. Useless. Like Kleenex. We can't transport an entire body through space back to Yuggoth. You have to put just the brain in the jar. Okay. It's more compact. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, then, so then, when we made Spaceship Zero the role-playing game, we did a little play on that where there were brains inside. It was cyborgs, basically. Not just in a canister, but you make like super robot bodies. Got it. So they have astro automatons who are like the Yuthians, but in super robot bodies. Okay. Okay. Not Yuthians, sorry. Funky from you got. Right. Getting my Lovecraft monsters all mixed up. 
But it, it, I think I seem to remember a story that it was about brains and canisters, but there was like somebody came to visit a guy and she like talked yeah. to a guy and then... Yeah, because the guy was a brain in a jar. Right. But... Uh, no, sorry. The guy was a fungi from goth imitating a human being just in disguise. Yeah. So but then that, he found the real person's brain in a jar. jar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But so, was it wearing his body or it just... Did it change? No, it was just like a wax mask on a like... <laughs> okay. You know... Okay, so uh, the alien dressed I, up. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. Because you only saw him a, from like a chair. Yeah, like he was in the chair in the shadows or whatever. So I was having this conversation with him, and it was all like buzzy. <laughs> oh yeah, there was a, yeah, there was that disconcerting buzzing going yeah, on yeah. at all times. Yeah, it's kind of a confusing story, and the, and the entire, um, almost the entire story is told through letters being mailed to between these two people. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? and then suddenly the letters take a weird turn, and it doesn't sound like him anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So he goes to investigate. I got it. Nice. And then there's monsters in human wax masks <laughs> and, and brains in jars. Yeah. I made that story sound like it's a piece of crap. No, it was a good story. <laughs> no, I remember. I remember liking that one. I have. The, I got the short story collection, and I remember that, like, thinking that that one was on the upper echelon of creep factor. And now you can get from our good friends at the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. They have made a film. Oh, called really? the Whisper of Darkness, and they saw it. And they, their thing is, they shoot it kind of like old timey films, right? Like they did okay. the Call of Cthulhu, and it's all like made as if it were a silent film, right? This one is not a silent film, but it still has like those old timey elements in it. Yeah, it'll okay. be hard to communicate the buzzing and the like creepy whispering in a silent film. It's true. No. It's the occasional uh, flash of a title card, buzz, 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 <laughs> yeah. buzz, buzz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shop Niggerath. Yeah, buzz, no, buzz, buzz, that buzz. was definitely one of the creepier ones. Recommended. I do too. Futurama has the episode The Day the Earth Stood Stupid. Oh, yeah, because they have those flying brain aliens. The giant flying brains attack Earth, and Fry's inferior but immune to their attacks brain is the only thing that can save the Earth. Right. That's right, because he's so dumb that their brain powers don't work on him. He's like the only person in the, uni- in the right. world that is not affected, that is immune to their brain powers. Brain powers. Yeah. Uh, during the original airings of The Day the Earth Stood Stupid, after the giant brains first come to Earth and destroy all intelligent thought, Fry says, wait a minute, I know what's going on here. You've all become idiots. To which Bender replies, hey, let's all join the Reform Party. Later syndicated re-airings on Comedy Central change Bender's quote to, hey, let's all join the Tea Party. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, lordy. Good times. Uh, I could talk about an animated series, one of my favorite animated series uh, 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 of all time, The Tick. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he got the uh, the uh, the boy with the uh, um, glass skull because his brain was too big for his human skull, so he had to build a little glass dome. Brainchild, brainchild, the tick versus brainchild. Yeah, yeah, and that is probably my favorite episode because that's the one where he turns him into a uh, a bird that speaks only grade eight French. So oh, that's the second one. That's what that's brainchild returns. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm thinking yeah. only of the one then, but. Uh, uh, what, what what was the plot of the first one? The first one is just the introduction to Brainchild. And he's trying to bring the Earth. He just wants to be evil, right? Because no one takes him seriously because he's just a child. So yeah. he's like, I'm yeah. gonna be the be the most evil of all the evil people. So he just wants to crash the moon into the Earth. Okay, all right. That seems... just to prove how evil he is. All right, not but... too smart making a um, glass skull. Oh, well, well, he wants no, everyone he wants to see his amazing huge, brain. Imagine a huge brain that can't some fit. kind of super duper glass. Presumably. Yeah. I mean, couldn't I you guess. just walk up behind him with a jeweler's hammer and tap? <laughs> <laughs> well, he is the kind of guy that builds devices that turn superheroes into birds that speak only grade eight French, and he can pull moons into planets. Okay, so super glass. I'm guessing I'm it's thinking, super probably. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so the, put him to aluminum. The tick trying to tell everybody to warn them of Brainchild's evilness uh, while he's speaking only in grade eight French dictates. Yes particularly hilarious i it is yeah it is not stretching the truth to say that that is my favorite tick episode of all time even though initially he misidentified which episode it was no it's it's an episode with brainchild i just didn't realize there were two my favorite tick episode is the one where they switch brains or their brains yeah they switch brains bodies the same yeah brain switchy yeah at the at the Evil or scientist convention. Mind switchy. Mind switchy, what do you want to call the it? Yeah. Stay there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Co starring Nicolas Cage. He's no. making a face off reference. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that movie. That. Yeah, that one, they didn't switch minds, they switched faces. Easier, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Brain off was not a very successful follow up. <laughs> what about Jack off? 
That one did very, very well. Where you switch your jacks? Yeah. I know what that means. From jumping to... Uh, Spring heel? <laughs> it's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. An ominous feeling. A feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new and we'll have more gross facts for you and you'll have things you want to hear about we will Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being dry shaved by a blind chimpanzee. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter, at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. I'm Eric Fell. Thanks for listening. And, and as you all know, you lose like 90% of your body heat through your head. Also another myth, I believe. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure it's a myth, yeah. yeah. I lose 90% through my penis. Oh, nice. Really? It's just like a steam whistle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only like... Oh, it's noon. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's quitting time. It's once a, day, once a day at noon, all that heat just shoots out. That's oh. another episode. Let's not get sidetracked. Okay. <laughs>